Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse and Madness Pod or send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. Kyle, we are in an entirely new galaxy far away. Yes, yes, sir. We went from fantasy land to a different type of fantasy land. We're here in the galaxy. We are breaking down the best Star Wars character. And here to help us decide that is our brand new co-host, Josh Radden. Josh, how's it going? Hey, Kyle, how's it going? It's it's nice to be on your guys' podcast. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Uh, we, uh, I obviously know you because I was in your class in high school, <laughs> and so I obviously knew that you were a huge Star Wars fan. So what's what's been your connection to Star Wars? Why why did you think that we reached out to you for this bracket here? Uh, well, uh, Kyle, I think you reached out to me because you know I'm the definition of a fanatic uh, when it comes to Star Wars. <laughs> I my mind cannot be changed about it, and I can't stop talking about it. So there's that. Uh, you probably noticed the uh, multiple posters in my classroom and the frequent <laughs> analogies I would use to compare uh, English language arts to Star Wars. And you probably thought, hey, you know, this would be a guy who would probably be on it. And maybe you knew I had some podcasting experience. I don't know. Uh, our uh, my wife is friends with your mom. I mean, there mm-hmm. are lots of reasons why you might have called me in here. <laughs> so, um, but I'm excited about it. Just looking at the bracket got me all fired up yesterday. So I, I can't wait. And of course, no episode of Mouse Madness is complete without our spoonfuls of sugar. Kyle, what have you brewed up for this episode? Well, I'm super excited because this is the debut episode of the Spoonful of Sugar Mug. No one can see it except for us on the podcast, but... Uh, the Disney store was having a sale on these mugs and Chris sent the link my way and it's literally a Mary Poppins mug that says Spoonful of Sugar on it. So I thought it was perfect. I, uh, as most people know, if you're listening to this in real time, we're in some tumultuous times here in the world and uh, we are all currently kind of shelter in place at our homes. So there wasn't a whole lot of options except for what was in my bar for my Spoonful of Sugar. So I created a concoction of uh, two ounces dark rum, one ounce light rum, some OJ, some Midori, a splash of violet liqueur, and a massive ball of ice. And so I'm calling this thing the Death Star. (laughs) Cheers to the Death Star. Chris, what are you drinking today? Well, I did not have a whole lot of mixer ingredients, so I had to pull the first thing that was in my fridge uh, and it was a can of ginger ale and some lime juice. <laughs> then I went into my liquor cabinet, and I didn't have a whole lot there either. So I threw Midori, vodka, ginger ale, and lemon juice into <laughs> a cocktail. Don't know what that makes, but I'm calling it either a Finding Midori. Okay, I like it. The Manda Midorian. <laughs> or... A Midori Chlorian. 
Oh, God. No. So you have a few <laughs> options you can choose from for the naming system there. I'm drinking it out of my Drogon cup, unrelated to Disney, but I'm having a good time in my quarantine. It's going all right. Josh, what have you got over there? I don't, I'm not really a hard liquor guy, you know, because again, being the ancient one on this uh, podcast right now, I'm drinking a, a big wave Kona beer. So I'm not really going as hard as you guys, but Perfect. hey, you know, in my salad days, I would have been, um, you know, taking shots of Jaeger and then washing them down with that. So, <laughs> but I, I, I don't think you guys would like <laughs> me very much if I started doing that at this point. So um, let's just stick with the beer. And of course, every bracket needs a demographic to be surveyed. This one was a little bit tricky because the parks are currently closed, but you know what's still open? Parts of downtown Disney. Kyle... What was our demographic we had this time? So we sent the interns down to the vacant downtown Disney where just the shops are open. And we had them swing by the Ballast Point Tap Room that has recently opened within the last year to find some uh, Disney fans that have been drinking away their sorrows that the parks have been closed. And so we had our interns ask these folks who they thought were the best Star Wars characters. And from that, we developed a bracket of 16. So let's go ahead and hop right into it. Cue the dramatic music. And away we go. Who's your daddy? Coming in at number one, Darth Vader. <laughs> Who's my daddy? Coming in at number two is Luke Skywalker. Don't tell the number three pick the odds. It's Han Solo. Who's her daddy? Coming in at number four is Rey. Strike him down and he will become more powerful than you can ever imagine. Coming in at number five, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Will she be this bracket's only hope? Coming in at number six is Leia. No shirt, no problem. Coming in at number seven, Kylo Ren. <laughs> Probably the brattiest contestant on this bracket. Coming in at number eight, it's Anakin. Beep, beep, boop, beep, boop. Coming in at number nine, R2-D2. Check out my lightning superpowers. Coming in at number 10 is Palpatine. This is the way. Coming in at number 11, Mando. Any chance he has to be funny, he absolutely ruins it. Coming in at number 12, it's Finn. <laughs> He's got the first line in the saga, but will he have the last word in this bracket? Coming in at number 13, it's C-3PO. The child that took the world by storm. Coming in at number 14, it's Baby Yoda. You might recognize his stench. Coming in at number 15, Grand Moff Tarkin. The most huggable character in all of the galaxy. Coming in at number 16, and to round out our bracket, it's Chewbacca. That's pretty go. good. There That's go. hard, and that was good. <laughs> There's our round of 16. Josh, I know you got this bracket ahead of time. What were your thoughts? What are your thoughts now? Uh, I'm overwhelmed by the recency bias of having two Mandalorian characters on here and some of the major Star Wars <laughs> characters not on here. Uh, that hurts my feelings. Um... I am I'm deeply wounded that Poe is not on here as he is one of my favorite characters. Um, I don't know how the hell Grand Moff Tarkin got on here. And as I told Kyle before, um, 
if this bracket had been shown to me before the rise of Skywalker, I would have been apoplectic about Palpatine being a 10 seed. He should be like a two seed or something. But after the rise of Skywalker, I'm good with that. Well, I'm glad you brought up people that missed this bracket because it's time for us to talk a little bit about those that missed the dance. First noticeable absentee, like Josh said, Poe Dameron. Poe had a pretty good movie in The Force Awakens. I found him to be a really interesting character. Definitely one that you could root for, super charming, almost like a Han Solo, but who is more dedicated to the cause. In my opinion, he kind of fell off a little bit in the second and third movies. He just kind of flatlined. And also, he is not on the best terms with the general public. He is a character that creates a lot of friction in The Last Jedi. And Oscar Isaac was one of a few Star Wars actors who spoke out against how this whole trilogy was handled. And those actors aren't exactly in the best graces with Star Wars fans. So there's a lot of characters in this galaxy. 16, it's hard to narrow it down. Not entirely surprised when anyone doesn't make the cut. Yeah, another person that missed the dance here is Lando Calrissian, who uh, one of the few African-American characters in all of the galaxy, and he didn't even need a purple lightsaber to be introduced. So look at that. Uh, Billy Dee Williams is obviously a legend for this role, and I kind of felt bad for him in The Rise of Skywalker because it <laughs> you could just tell my man just couldn't move. You know, like the entire time you're watching it, you're like, ah, oh, who forced Billy Dee to be here? Um, but he uh, he just missed this dance, unfortunately. Uh, but I also enjoyed uh, Donald Glover's portrayal in Solo. I really enjoyed his the way he, he played Lando there. So, uh, like you said, there's a lot of people on this bracket, and some people got to miss it. Yeah, another thing that's noticeably absent on this bracket are any original characters from Rogue One or Solo. Um, both of those movies, to me, were really forgettable. I can name Jin Erso, but I don't think I could name a single other character in Rogue One, given I don't watch Rogue One a lot, but I probably saw it three or four times. Solo, I think I watched once, and I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> All I remember was Emilia Clarke's in it, and Darth Maul was at the end, and Woody Harrelson was Woody a bad guy? Yeah. yeah, I don't really Can remember. Can I say one thing about, about Solo? That is the most fanservice-y movie probably of all time. Um, and I lost my mind when I was watching that movie. And they were using the Imperial March, Darth Vader's music, to recruit people to the Empire. That is not supposed to be music yes. that the characters can hear. <laughs> it's not like Darth Vader's walking That's around. That's called diegetic sound in film theory. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and it's garbage, and it makes me so mad every time I just think about that part. I just, I'm like... There's some crappy MIDI version of the the, the uh, Imperial March playing, and that's supposed to get Han to sign up. And what the hell, man? Right. So I think that's a fun movie, <laughs> but uh, I would say, like Rogue One, it causes more problems than it's really worth in the end, um, the way that it works into the right. saga. And uh, mentioning that they kind of just threw Darth Maul in at the end just for like, hey, more fan service. It was just... Yeah, you yeah. can watch that one on its own. If you didn't know what Star Wars was, it might be kind of better that way, really, to be honest. So, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then tragically, the last person to miss the dance... Jar Jar. Was Bo- uh, nope, we're not even going to talk about him. Was <laughs> Babu Frick from The Rise of Skywalker. 
the hero of the Rise of Skywalker in my eyes. Babu Frick didn't make the dance, unfortunately. Maybe we'll have a, a spin-off, a best, like, side character bracket, and Babu's going all the way, okay? Babu's going Babu all the way. Frick versus Porgs versus Baby Yoda. <laughs> That's <laughs> all the same man. tier for me. Oh, yeah, BB-8's yeah, sure. in there, too. I got, you got to get that little round bo- ball in there, too. Thick round boy. Okay, folks, let's get into the meat of this thing. We're going to start it off with our number one seed, Darth Vader, versus number 16, Chewbacca. Darth Vader, everybody knows, is an icon. People who've never seen Star Wars know who Darth Vader is. This dude's face is recognizable. They know the quote-unquote spoiler, if you want to call it that, that Darth Vader is Luke's father. This is just a recognizable figure, and people know him whether or not they've seen the movie. Chewbacca, such a sweetheart. I think really underrated. He's got a pretty strong character for not speaking actual words. While Chewbacca is only a sidekick to Han Solo, he does have his moments where he kind of takes charge of the action. Great example in Empire Strikes Back, Han is imprisoned and Chewie helps Leia lead that charge to rescue him and... Mm -hmm. They're in direct competition with Darth Vader at that point. I mean, this is like the primary threat, and Chewbacca's going in, guns a blazing, literally. I would also point out that um, even regardless of your feelings about the Last Jedi, although I'm already sensing some hostility about that movie, um, that uh, the moment when he shows up with Rey near the end to save everyone with the Millennium Falcon is pretty iconic as well. Um, mm-hmm. To give them a chance, at least, to try to destroy that laser. So. He's always kind of coming through in the clutch, you know, or whether it's him carrying uh, C-3PO's broken parts as as a backpack (laughs) in Empire Strikes Back, or that great moment when he just starts freaking out when Han's going to be put into the carbonite, and Han tells him, you know, you got to protect the princess. There's just some great moments between Han and um, Chewbacca, uh, and, and the... The moment in The Force Awakens when Han is is killed by Kylo, um, Chewbacca's roar is... It, it gets me, man. It gets me. It hurts. Absolutely. They have one of the best dynamics in Star Wars, in all of movies. Incredible dynamic duo. Darth Vader in the original trilogy has this turn that happens. Obviously, at the end, he starts off as not even really the main bad guy. He just kind of comes off as like the muscle. That's really interesting to me. I think maybe he's not best served as like the primary evil. He's just kind of like an intimidating guy who's got his own agenda that makes him a little bit more susceptible to be turned because he's not the primary source of evil. Darth Vader is completely dismantled in Star Wars episode three when he is like newly Darth Vader and is a whiny baby Darth Vader. (laughs) I also wish I could unsee the Rogue One stuff just because the fear that is instilled inside you when you see Darth Vader comes from his his coolness and the fact that he's relaxed in every situation. He doesn't need to like flex his power for you to be afraid of him. His silence and his confidence is what's more scary. So in Rogue One when he absolutely goes insane and like <laughs> yeah. throws people against the wall and stuff Fanboys are like, dude, that was sick, man. Darth Vader's so cool. And I'm kind of like, ah, he's cool under pressure. Like, that's his thing. So I'm going to try to not think about those moments in this <laughs> matchup. 
We're talking best Star Wars character. I got to give it to Darth Vader. Love Chewbacca. Think he's important to the series, but got to go Vader. Yeah, I think uh, what I like about Chewbacca so much is that he's who I would feel like I would be in every scenario. Like things are going wrong and he's just losing his mind. He's just, what are we doing? Why are we doing it like this? You know, like he doesn't even have to say it. Just the way he acts and the way he roars it's just, it's all of us. It's who we would be in those situations. But I'm with you, Chris. I think Darth Vader's got to move on here. His coolness and his uh, his staying calm kind of under the pressure of the chaos that's around him and, like you said, not having to flex his powers makes him so unpredictable. It's like, oh, when, when is he going to snap then? Like, when when is, what is his tipping point? And you never quite know. That just makes him such a great villain, essentially, in this saga. So I'm also moving... Number one, Darth Vader along. Josh, first things first, we just moved Darth Vader along. What are your thoughts? Uh, I think it's the right call. I think you could say in some ways that Darth Vader is Star Wars. They're almost synonymous. Um, Two points I want to make in response to some of the things that uh, Chris was saying before. Um, Vader in Rogue One, I completely agree. As much as I enjoy just watching that scene like out of context, like it's a video game cutscene or something... It ruins episode four. You can't watch that scene and then watch episode four and watch the geriatric fight he has with Obi-Wan and think that that makes <laughs> yeah. any sense. Uh, not to mention that in episode four, when we see him you know, invading the Tantive Four, he's holding a dude up physically by his neck. After we've just seen him, you know, if you just watched Rogue One, use all these force powers to do this stuff. It's totally unnecessary. I understand why they did it. But anyways, another thing I wanted to address... Um, was that uh, Chris was saying that he wasn't really the big bad uh, Vader. That's a bit of, sorry guys, a bit of millennial retconning because when we were growing up, he was the big bad. Uh, You have to remember Mm -hmm. the Emperor wasn't introduced until Return of the Jedi. So the Emperor was seen almost as like this character that was grafted. I mean, he was introduced. They spoke about him in episode four. There's a little, you know, mm-hmm. video communication in episode five, but the idea always felt like Vader was the guy you didn't want to mess with. It wasn't until the very end of episode six that people went, oh, the Emperor is kind of important too. So that's, you know, he was always kind of the symbol of evil in the, in the movies, though. And that, and I think that's what makes his turn so uh, powerful, you know, because it's seeing his son throw down his saber and being electrocuted uh, by, you know, force lightning. That, that turns him. So I think, yeah, you have to move Vader along. I mean, poor Chewbacca never had a chance. So let's move on down the bracket. We got number eight, Anakin, versus number nine, R2-D2. Uh, I'm going to keep this short, guys. Anakin drives me absolutely insane. I can't stand him. R2-D2 is a true hero. He just comes in clutch every single moment that he needs to. I'm just, I'm going to save arguments for the future, and I'm moving number nine, R2-D2, past number eight, Anakin. That's all I got to say. Yeah, obviously Anakin and Darth Vader, technically the same person, but I consider them different people just because their characters are so completely different when you're looking at the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy. Like I was saying, Darth Vader, this cool guy who doesn't have a lot to say. Anakin, this kid who will not stop talking and complain about everything. They just seem like completely different people. And I mean, even when he's in his Darth Vader attire... He's still just like a whiner baby, you know, and 
on top of the fact that he's so angry all the time, he's genuinely not a good person, even when he <laughs> is a quote-unquote good guy. And Obi-Wan's like, oh, he was a great man until he was seduced by the dark side. Yeah, it's when? Like, he wasn't a great man at all. He was terrible. The dark side can have him because we don't want him. They screwed I mean, up. To be fair, Obi-Wan just said that he was a great pilot, not a great dude. <clears throat> He was a good friend, but not a good dude. And I don't really see him as being a good friend. He also called him his brother. So That's true. I, unless you hate your brother. <laughs> you were my brother, Anakin. Right. I loved you. <laughs> yes. True. Regardless, I think the character was written pretty poorly. No offense to Hayden Christensen. I'm sure he's a great guy, great actor. But R2-D2, like Chewbacca, doesn't speak words, but somehow has a very distinct, strong character about him and has genuine personality traits that aren't like just exhausting to watch on the screen. So yes, I agree. R2D2 over Anakin. Josh, how do you feel about arguably the central focus of the entire saga being ousted in the first round? Uh, I'm not that concerned about that, to be honest, because like you said, uh, Darth Vader, Anakin are somewhat two sides of the same coin. I don't hate Anakin as much as you guys do. Um, I have a little bit more sympathy for the the prequels than I once did, because um, I think it's hard to explain how heartbreaking Episode One was to me. I mean, it kind of like changed my way of looking at the world almost. I I know that sounds really intense, but uh, I had a very strong worldview that Star Wars movies could only be good, and so when Episode One came out, I was like, "This has got to be good, right?" And I'd go see it in the theater several times until I finally realized, "No, this is not good." It took me a long time. Um, I would say this, though. I think that as much as I agree that Anakin is whiny and frustrating, etc., I do like Hayden Christensen's performance in the second half of Revenge of the Sith after he turns. Um, I know that you don't agree with me on that, but that's okay. Uh, But what I think is that originally R2-D2 and C-3PO were supposed to be kind of the narrators of the series. And Anakin's out of the series, really, by episode six and we have the whole sequel trilogy um where he's mentioned a bunch but he's not there i i totally get the logic of putting r2 um past anakin so i can i can go with that too yeah I, I'll, I'll make it unanimous and he's got a lot of cool toys <laughs> r2 you never you know literally never he, know all of a sudden he's got rockets okay yeah. he can super jump you don't he could have rockets because he, he does super jump yeah, he could have a I mean, camera he could have a zap here and a zap here like, you never know with this guy. He has whatever the plot <laughs> needs, man. <laughs> what does the plot need? Let's give it yeah. R2. Okay, let's take it down to our next matchup then. Number four, Ray versus number 13, C-3PO. This one's a little bit tricky. Ray is such a central figure to the new trilogy. She has a very interesting conflict inside of her where she doesn't really have anyone to teach her about the force in the ways that Luke had Obi-Wan and Yoda really explicitly teach him what exactly is happening. Rey just kind of has to figure it out herself and so much of the original trilogy is good versus evil. It's black and white. It's very clear to see who the good guys are and who the bad guys are. And you root for the good guys and you don't root for the bad guys. I love how the new trilogy kind of explores that gray area where 
What if you don't know what your destiny is, you're not familiar with this strange force that's inside of you and you're being pulled in two different directions and you feel a personal connection to a person who's quote unquote evil, but that's what you've been looking for your whole life. So do you follow it even though it might not be what you're supposed to do, whatever, whatever. I love seeing Ray go through that. And I think that makes her struggle very powerful. C-3PO. Can I make a quick point? Sorry, Kyle. Can I make a quick point about what you said about Ray? I think um, part of the reason why I like The Last Jedi more than a lot of people do is that I see Ray going through the same sort of thing with Luke that Luke went through with um, with Yoda. Hmm. In fact, I think that the things that Luke says about the Force in The Last Jedi are the closest to the way that I personally conceive of the force myself and, you know, vis-a-vis Yoda from Empire Strikes Back. I feel like the relationship between Luke and Rey is obviously more strained for various reasons, (laughs) but he gives a lot of the same lessons, essential lessons that Yoda does. So I would say I agree with everything you're saying about Rey up until The Rise of Skywalker came out. And I think that kind of pulled the rug out from under her character by making her somebody connected to Palpatine. And then kind of, instead of being this character who kind of organically grew out of her own desire to know herself, they undercut that because, honestly, J.J. Abrams wants to murder Ryan Johnson. So (laughs) that was pretty much it. I would have had a hard time not supporting Rey strongly throughout this entire bracket had the uh, the Rise of Skywalker not come out. So right. I just want to throw that, that <laughs> sen- my two cents in there about that. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying because I was a total fan of her parents being nobodies. I was totally okay with that. A lot of people on the internet wanted it to be someone and they were disappointed when Kylo Ren said it wasn't. I was like, you know what, that's fine. That's what Star Wars was supposed to be this whole time in my opinion. Um, so yeah, I agree. The Palpatine connection is weird. C-3PO was in every Star Wars movie except Solo. This guy has lasting appeal. He has a broad legacy. And I think he's one of the more recognizable figures in the Star Wars universe. People probably don't know what his name is, but you see the gold robot guy and you go, oh yeah, that's Star Wars. Him and R2 is just, I know, we don't like this word, is iconic. and c-3po is that character that every team in an adventure movie needs he's the guy who's like this isn't such a good idea i'm scared what's happening he's always confused he's used kind of as comic relief at times and sometimes complicates the character's situations it's really hard when you're comparing a character who is such a main in Ray to a character who is a little bit peripheral in C-3PO. C-3PO has this moment in The Rise of Skywalker where they go to disconnect him or to yeah, flush Bob his Frick, memory dude. or something like that. Yeah, Babu Frick coming through. I found that to be extremely hammy and corny. Like, the dude's a robot. Well, and not only that, they compounded that mistake by reversing it very quickly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, if I had to say, like, my general problem with The Rise of Skywalker, that would be it. Is that they were very quick to, like, for example, when Chewbacca dies, 
we had to worry about that for about 90 seconds. <laughs> like, I, when I saw that movie in the theater with my daughter, I could see her getting sad when that happened. I was like, just just wait a second. It's fine. Yeah. It's like, JJ couldn't let anything sit, and then he had to fix 3PO, which is just like, come on, man. Um, but yeah. I, the other thing I wanted to address that you said was about Ray being told by Ben Solo or Kylo Ren that her parents were nobody. But watch that scene again. She says it. He doesn't say it. She says it. She knows it. And that's the funny thing is that she knew deep inside that her parents were nobody better than J.J. Abrams did. That's what kills me. Because um, <laughs> Kylo never says your parents were nobody. He says, he says, you know who they were. And she says it then. And then he repeats it back to her. So she, in fact, senses that at that point, which really makes me, again, I'm going to try not to make this too much of a you know rise of Skywalker, rise of Skywalker. Yes, but i'm already turning it into it but yeah i was really disappointed by that about ray so ultimately this comes down to do we want a main character who is only in a few movies or a recognizable robot who's in every single movie i think i'm gonna go with ray here just for what she represents being what josh said earlier an inspirational figure in this universe to young girls out there I think is extremely important C-3PO I think you could make an argument is a stronger quote-unquote character and that his personality traits are a little bit more defined but at the end of the day this is Star Wars this is adventure this is action I love watching Rey on screen even though her character might not be as quote-unquote strong uh, I think she's really important so I'm going Rey in this matchup uh, I think I'm going to end up making this a Josh Radden decision because I'm going to go C-3PO only because I think that his importance to the plot for more movies is essential than Ray's plot points within the, the last trilogy. And it, a lot of it stems from what we've been bringing up. Like her character is so flawed because the director's... <laughs> One director hated the other, and so it just ruined everything, right? Yeah, it, it just had no... It had a direction, and then they took a hard right and just... It, it ruined it. Like, she could have been so much more. Like Josh said, like, this character that just, like, became one with the Force and just, like, found this connection on her own and didn't really need this, and, and then it turned out not to be so. So I think that... I like uh, C-3PO. I think that he's who they tried to make Finn where like a lot of his dialogue is like these little quippy like bits of comedy and I and they never seem too forced to me maybe they do to to the two of you but I enjoy them I think that he brings a lot of um <laughs> he's very relatable and that he's this little anxious guy who who's just always worried about the worst outcome and that's a lot of times me I always worry about the worst outcome and so I relate to this guy. I, I'm moving. Uh, I'm moving the robot on. Josh, this means that the decision comes up to you. Who's moving on in this matchup? Uh, if she was still Ray from nowhere, then Ray would be moving on. Um, since she is Ray Palpatine Skywalker or whatever the, f <laughs> uh, then I would like to move C-3PO on. Though your comment about his comic relief as coming off as more natural than Finn's is again, I think a generational difference. We grew up when we grew up and watched the original trilogy, 
we could not stop talking about how much we hated C-3PO. <laughs> okay. And how he was the most annoying character in all the films. Uh, but I do love a lot of his interactions, especially with Han Solo and Empire Strikes Back. Because Han's just kind of constantly telling him to shut the hell up. Yeah. And it's uh, it's pretty fantastic. So, 3PO, I, I'm, is, it breaks my heart to do this. I'm looking at Ray's bow staff right across here that my daughter used for her Halloween costume. And it kills me to cut Ray. If you would have asked me this when The Last Jedi was over, I would have said, go Ray." But nope, nope. Ray's plot arc went in the garbage. So C-3PO it is. Wow. That's a big upset for me. Moving on to the next matchup here. It is number five, Obi-Wan Kenobi versus number 12, Finn. I, uh, so I, oh man, there's a lot in me that that struggles with this matchup because... So there's a there's a documentary series on Netflix right now that's um, about the like the history of uh, black actors in Hollywood sort of thing and and they interview John at one point and he brings up the point that when the Force Awakens trailer came out and you hear the Emperor's voice whatever and then all of a sudden it's a black screen and then it comes to this like desert scene and the first character you see is this black stormtrooper how like powerful and like crazy that was for for just the star wars universe in general and how important that was i like that i remember seeing that and being like yo this is sick like this is gonna be dope and then like him bringing it back up and talking about it i was like that's such an important like point in star wars movie history to like have this representation and then have ray and then you know like they were doing all of this correctly in my eyes like it was it was great i loved it it's frustrating because finn's character continued just to like be so like i felt like he was a very strong character in the force awakens and then it just kind of started dwindling away for me and then in the rise of skywalker it's just like oh my god what is what did they do to finn why is this the direction they went right and i'm gonna go ahead and just say i really enjoyed the rise of skywalker i told you this josh like I don't have any stake in these movies. This was fun for me. Like, it, I thought it was a fun movie. I don't care how much they mess everything up because I wasn't super invested. But when it comes to these, <laughs> to when it comes to some of these like characters that I feel like they could do so much with, the roses, you know, like the the fins, the these moments, and we talked about it last episode. I think Disney's so willing to, or we talked about it on the onward episode. Disney's so willing to represent and they can never like just do it. They can never just fully commit and like make these uh, these diverse characters come out on top or be these strong characters that they've set them up to be, right? So it was super frustrating to see who he ended up being. Um, Obi-Wan, uh, oh man. Obi-Wan in the... So I just rewatched pretty much all of them in the last three days. And I, all I have to say is Obi-Wan pump fake. My man pump faked <laughs> the hell out of Darth Maul. It, yeah, the, it was the most aggressive head bob. And Darth bit That's and so jumped funny. back. Oh, so good. Um, I also kept wanting to make it some sort of joke about Christopher Robin having a lightsaber. Even though I know that's like super niche and we don't connect Ewan McGregor with Christopher Robin, but I do, and <laughs> it's amazing. Um, 
I there's parts of like especially the the prequels where it's just like man, whoever told you to deliver that line that way, they did it the wrong way. You're struggling through. It was this. George Lucas, and he just said, "Do it faster and better." Yeah, that's uh, it. He doesn't know how to direct. Oh, uh, it was. It, some of them was pretty painful. Also, like, unless I'm just gonna attribute this to his character. His hair always remains flawless. No matter what battle he's in, it's he comes out and his hair is just perfectly groomed. The Force is definitely with this guy, I'll tell you that. I think that when you... I, I mean, oh man, this is coming from such a simpleton mind who isn't as invested in all this as everybody else. But I think that the clicking point for Luke was Yoda and not Obi-Wan. And I think that Obi-Wan was this kind of like... He's kind of like your guidance counselor, but you always have the teacher that really like put you in the right path. That like Obi-Wan was like the guidance counselor and Yoda was like the teacher who was actually invested in your life. And I think that uh, with with Finn, like how important he was to the newest trilogy and even just the part he plays in being like this defecting uh, stormtrooper and and developing this friendship with Poe, who I thought that was a fun dynamic. I mean, it, I people have their opinions. I thought that was great. I love them. I love them together. Um, I think I just for my own personal bias and what Finn meant to the world of Star Wars in representing, I'm moving Finn on personal bias. Obi Wan's not moving on for me. Yeah, this is a tough one. I think they, like you said, botched Finn. In the second and third movies, they set him up like he was going to be really important in The Force Awakens, and then he went nowhere. Obi-Wan, yes, great mentor character in the first movie. Didn't really, in my opinion, have a role in the second or third movie. Prequel trilogy, just a talking head, mostly. Just a guy who did stuff, but that was everyone in the prequel trilogy. So it's like, I don't even know who I want to vote for here. Finn, yeah, they could have done way more with him. I was all for him having a romantic relationship with Poe. I think that would have been really <laughs> interesting too. to yes. watch. Yeah, um, I'm totally here for that. Like, which one is weaker? They're both pretty weak. His, oh my goodness, Finn's battle with Captain Phasma made me want to projectile vomit. Like, they were treating it and scoring it like it was like the big fight, and I was like. Two characters that have been very poorly developed and were just invented to make toys fighting each other does not matter to me. Simply for lasting appeal, I think I'm going to go with Obi-Wan Kenobi just because I think he's more central to the overall Skywalker saga, which means we're going with Tiebreaker. We're going with Josh. Again. Oh, boy. Uh, this one's tough, but it's just like the Ray answer. It would have been much tougher before the Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> I again, I don't have the animus towards uh, towards the Last Jedi. I, I should just fully disclose that the Last Jedi is in my top three Star Wars movies. Okay. Um, again, with with the whole notion of back to this notion of I feel like it touches on a lot of the things that Star Wars is really about to me, um, including the the finale where Luke literally wins by not fighting again like he did against vader right. um and the emperor excuse me which i just adore but same thing with finn like you said kyle i remember 
the outrage from the racists online when <laughs> um, they saw stormtroopers can't be black. I'm like, oh my god, they're clones in some parts. Like, what do you? How is this a problem for you? Yeah. Um, my argument against Obi Wan is that he's kind of a fraud and an ass. Like, I mean, he lies to Luke constantly. When he finally does defeat Anakin, you know, he's a Jedi. He's supposed to be following the Jedi way. That's his brother burning to death on the right. sand, losing two out of or three out of four limbs. And I mean, if you wanted to make a case for what he should have done there, he could have at least given him a little force push into the lava and put him out of his misery or something. But he just lets him burn as he walks away. <laughs> it's just so co- counter to the, the Jedi code to watch someone suffer like that, even if they were your enemy. He's no longer a threat to him. Um, so Obi-Wan's character was kind of ruined by, uh, the prequels in some ways in my, in my view. But, uh, as you were saying, Kyle, he was already kind of weaker than Yoda in the sense that Luke and Yoda had the real connection. But again, I have to go back to when I was a kid, Obi-Wan was the best. He was my favorite. You know, he was the guy who got you into, when he told Luke about the force and about lightsabers, he was talking to you. Yep. Like little kid me, when I was seven years old, I was going, "Yes, Obi Wan, I want to go. I want to go to Alderaan with you and learn about the ways of the Force." This Luke guy is a loser if he doesn't who cares about his uncle and stuff. Just go learn <laughs> about the Force, man. So, um, I, I'm gonna have to go with Obi Wan, even after all that t- smack I just talked about him, because Finn is just another dead end from the the sequel trilogy that makes me so sad because I feel like. I don't agree with people who think that his character took a bad turn in The Last Jedi. I love the arc of he only cares about where Rey is. To the end, he's willing to sacrifice himself to protect the Resistance. I love his arc in The Last Jedi. I think it's well done. Disagree with the Canto Canto Bite um, slander. Uh, So (laughs) I think that if they would have just kept... I really think that Ryan Johnson set them up for what they could have done in Episode Nine, And Abrams intentionally went in a different direction and totally screwed the whole thing up so had had finn continued in his uh trajectory i think we would have a better conversation here but as is i have to go with obi-wan all right obi-wan advances to the next round and folks we haven't made it very far here we got a lot to talk about we're moving over to this other side of the bracket though we've got number two luke skywalker versus number 15 grand moff tarkin now luke the main character of the original trilogy, his character, in my opinion, becomes very unraveled in The Last Jedi. But let's focus on the original trilogy first. I think he's kind of a boring character, not gonna lie. He is green in the ways of the universe. He is a lot like Anakin in that he complains a lot. He's a backseat driver in the Millennium Falcon in the first movie. He's just extremely annoying i get that every movie needs a main character and sometimes the main character is not really the most interesting part of the movie in my opinion that's star wars and i'm gonna be honest not a huge luke guy grandma tarkin is the bad guy in a new hope and rogue one peter cushing's face you can just look at it and you're like this guy's scary this guy is pure evil fake fake face in rogue one. Oh, he looks so terrible in rogue one he does look terrible he's a disaster in rogue one but regardless the thing that i really appreciate about the original star wars movie is 
the sense of power you get from Vader, from Tarkin, from all of these commanders sitting around this big table in the Death Star command room or whatever. They don't need to yell. They don't need to fight. They don't need to flex for you to know that they're really evil. You can just look at them and listen to the way they talk and just get this sick feeling in your stomach. And Tarkin, to me, represents that to a T. No pun intended. He's extremely ruthless when Leia's like, they're on Dantooine. And Tarkin's like, okay, proceed with the operation. So cruel, so mean. This is a guy who has no value system whatsoever. I love that he's a very human character. He doesn't seem to have any special powers. He's just like a guy who just got into some really bad stuff and he is okay with it. He's so scary. I love Tarkin. So many amazing quotable lines out of his mouth as well. I'm going to do the upset, Kyle. I'm going Tarkin over Luke Skywalker. Yeah, that's uh you're you're preaching to the wrong podcast host here because uh Tarkin's no one to me and Luke is everyone. Luke is Star Wars, man. Like it's he's he's the one. He's the one who the entire this why we have all of this is because Luke's whiny butt is in the center of it right i mean it he as much as and i can get into it if he moves on past this bracket how much like he actually annoys me before this newest trilogy um but he is the center focus of this entire thing and he is star wars like i mean i every time i think of star wars i think of the iconic movie poster where he's in the middle of it right like it's just yeah, holding up that lightsaber, holding man. The saber. Oh, it's such a great poster. It was like, speaking of documentaries, there's another one about like movie posters and the history of it, and like how that poster really started an entire genre of movie posters. You should watch it; it's great. Um, yeah, it was like a, a renaissance of that style, old yeah. style of movie posters. It's so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. Um, if Luke's just the man, and and he he redeems himself in the newest trilogy for me because he was just a whiny baby who was a really bad actor when he was younger. Mark Hamill, sorry about it, Ben. Uh, but he he improved slightly in these newer ones. I'm moving Luke on. He's just the heart of Star Wars, and like the heart could be pierced later on in other in other rounds. But up against Tarkin, mm-hmm. like not for me. I'm going Luke. Uh, Josh, we're going back to you. All right, uh, so here's my take on Luke. Um, he should move on, and Tarkin should be gone. He's not that important of a character. I totally appreciate Chris's defense of him, though, because I think that would be similar to my defense of him. He kind of is emblematic of the British imperial bag that we all hate in Star Wars, that we love to hate. Kind of like, I was, I was sincerely kind of like, hey, where's Hux on this list? Because I really enjoy Hux as a character. I think he's very funny. Not very dimensional, obviously. But um, I would say this, too. I think Luke's character is so enhanced by The Last Jedi. And I feel weird when people say it ruined his character because I feel like they never knew who Luke was in the first place then. Because... Luke's defining act is to throw down his lightsaber and not fight the Emperor. That's how he wins. In The Last Jedi, what does he do? He 
doesn't fight to distract so that the the resistance can get away. Not only that, I know a lot of people were mad about like, oh, well, Luke would never run off from his friends and stuff like that. And they blamed Ryan Johnson for that. Which is hilarious because J.J. Abrams already told us in the opening crawl of The Force Awakens that Luke is missing and has run away. Like, I think it's amazing that people are like, oh, that's out of character for Luke. I'm like, you don't know about the whole thing where people get their heart broken and destroyed and then they run off and become hermits? This is like a very, like, not only is this a thing in real life, this is a thing in Star Wars. Yoda did the same damn thing. Um, (laughs) So I, I just, I will never understand the arguments against Luke in The Last Jedi and I think that his character was only enhanced by that movie. Um, I love his interactions with Rey in that movie. And again, another reason why I think Ray would have been a great character had they kept going in that direction. So yeah, move Luke on, please. Luke's moving on. Luke is moving on and we are moving down. The next matchup is number seven, Kylo Ren versus number 10 Palpatine. Oh boy. Oh boy, guys. (laughs) What a person to start off this discussion, right? I finished watching episode three today. And uh, the scene where Palpatine's being, uh, life is being taken from Palpatine by his own force lightning, by the deflection that Mace is putting on him, and he's, he's like, pinned down, and he's screaming, like, no, no, like, (laughs) I cannot stand that scene. I was laughing so hard. It's another one of those, like, what did George tell you to do here? Because whatever he, like... Whatever was told was the wrong thing because this is yo. I, I got some insight, Kyle. Oh, please! I, I of course read the making of Revenge of Sith novel okay. novelization okay. when it came out. I have yes. this book about it. So that scene, one thing that's really interesting to me about that scene about Palpatine is that the intention in that scene is that he's playing possum. Like, hmm, he's right, letting well, Mace beat him, right? Yeah, yeah, And yeah. when he lets the lightning deflect on back on him, I think the acting is wonderful, honestly. That's one of my favorite scenes in the, in the huh. prequels because of the fact that he's hamming it up so big time. And that change on his face that happens when he goes to blast Mace out yeah. the window with the unlimited power, he's like, no, Anakin, don't let him kill me. Yeah. And then he's just like, unlimited power. And then he blasts him out. I love campy Palpatine from the prequels. I, I think that the scene between him and Anakin in the uh, in the opera house where he tells him the story of Darth Plagueis the Wise is probably one of the best acted scenes in the prequels. I know that's a low f- bar, but still. <laughs> like, um, I, I think that, you know, Palpatine in that scene was being told to overact, especially in the sense that He'd been waiting to unleash on these Jedi for so long, and finally he lets it out. And that's why you can find wonderful collages of all the different funny faces he makes while he's fighting Mace Windu. Um, and of course, prequel memes have made this into a thing, but right. I think that the Emperor is the best part about the prequels, and I think okay. Ian McDermott does the most to save the prequels of any actor so i just want to throw that out there i'm a big fan of his performance in episode three okay episode nine not so much but i yeah i'm not at all (laughs) i thought i got that he was like playing (laughs) possum i totally understood that but yeah the it just like i couldn't get past the campiness with the seriousness of the situation and like what it meant for the turn of the entire like movie however i will say that um episode three is my favorite of the sequels or the prequels i loved it i thought it was fine 
And so on the other side of this matchup, you have Kylo Ren, who is this like emo torn boy who doesn't quite know his feelings and you you kind of have to go through this journey with this dude. Yep. <laughs> Josh has a Kylo shirt on right now. You just have to like go through the journey with this guy and you're I mean, I found myself very invested in Kylo's story and like who is this guy and like who is he trying to be is this like another vader are we just gonna like everyone complain that episode seven is like episode four and how it's it it was just a a carbon copy and it was like okay well is kylo going to end up being this like vader character and are we just gonna see the same thing and that was really intriguing to me and who he turned out to be was this like oddly relatable person who was like who had feelings which wasn't which is like we just brought up how like the scariest villains are those who you don't know a whole lot about or you don't know their intentions and with kylo you you knew basically what he wanted and his intentions but there was this like personality jab to you that really made it relatable and like how he felt and and him killing han and just all this stuff was just like it just invoked so much, so many feelings within me specifically. Palpatine just made me laugh too much. To and I get that he's like a, a like I my argument for Luke was he's this like staple of Star Wars. I get that Palpatine is as well, but I think that like in this matchup between Kylo and Palpatine, I'm going Kylo only because I think that his character is so much more interesting and it's it developed so well throughout this past trilogy that I just enjoyed. I did not need a Kylo Ray kiss. I mean, I did not need it. I was like, why are we doing this? If that if that's my qualm with Rise of Skywalker, if we're still like going to harp on this movie, it's that they kissed. I didn't need it. It just felt like it was an extra thing that people just wanted to see that they threw in there with everything else. Sure. But that was the one that I was like, I don't need it. But I'm moving Kylo on past Palpatine. Chris, I'm throwing it to you. Yeah, like I was saying about Ray, I think probably the best thing about the new trilogy is that gray area of the Force. I absolutely loved watching Kylo through all three movies go through this like internal struggle where he is slightly drawn to the light side of the Force. He's He wants to be drawn to the dark side of the Force because he has this idolatry of Darth Vader. Really, really, really powerful stuff to me. Not a whole lot of this new trilogy was working for me, but everything Kylo was working for me the whole time. I loved watching Adam Driver. Loved watching this character on screen. This is one of those rare situations where I don't mind the villain being kind of unhinged a little bit because he's just a kid, and he's growing up in this age where people didn't really know about the Force, and he's, like Ray, kind of trying to figure out as he goes, love Kylo Ren with no shirt on. (laughs) amazing right you have this mythical image of all of these characters in your head and kylo ren is humanized in that moment when he has no shirt on and you know it's just part of living in space i guess sometimes you walk around without a shirt on just like in real life absolutely love kylo i used to love the emperor the stuff in the prequels got a little weird but it officially hit diminishing marginal returns in the rise of skywalker when you start factoring in clones and weird like weird evil camps at the base of an abandoned star destroyer death star i 
I didn't like what they were doing with Star Wars, and I officially surrendered myself to everything when I heard Palpatine in the trailer. I was like, please make this as terrible as possible so I don't even have to think about it anymore. And sure enough, they did. And what they did with the Emperor was a perfect example of that. Love Kylo. Don't like the Emperor. I'm also moving Kylo on. Josh, you obviously have a shirt on that's just Kylo Ren-centric, so I'm sure you're happy with this choice. <laughs> I am. My, I know my vote doesn't matter at this point, but uh, this one's interesting to me just because if you would have told me at the start of this trilogy, this new one, that I would have turned my back on the Emperor um, and went with Kylo, I would have been surprised. But as you guys said so well, he's a very complex, interesting character, um, his temper tantrums do not come off as unnecessary. They, in fact, are one of the more enjoyable parts of the films. Um, you know, watching him toss Hux around occasionally for fun is good times. Um, and and again, Adam Driver is an amazing actor. Mm-hmm. There's something really magnetic about watching him play that role. Uh, along with that, I would say I really love Kylo Ren's fighting style. It's very brutal, mm-hmm. and like his stances and the way he points his saber at people, he's just got this aggression that's just, it feels like raw Sith aggression to me. Yeah. That is so strong in him. Um, so yeah, I, I, lo- I love Kylo um, largely because of Adam Driver, and I, I think he's the best part of Revenge of, uh, or excuse me, The Rise of Skywalker as well. Yeah. So. All right. Well, yep. let's I'm move down. on to the next round. We've got Kylo's daddy. Number three, Han Solo versus number 14, Baby Yoda. Now, a few episodes ago, I mentioned that I was not a Mandalorian guy. I took the time to watch all of the Mandalorian, and I will say I'm a huge fan. That being said, I still don't understand the Baby Yoda thing. I can't remember. It might have even been in our Heroes bracket, the very first bracket we did, where Kyle mentioned characters that were just like, little guys like little cute guys that disney just wants to incorporate in the movies to like provoke an emotional response with you or just sell more toys baby yoda is that (laughs) i understand that mando's affection for him makes mando a more interesting character but the baby yoda stuff is laid on so thick that it makes me want to gag Every time there's a shot of him, it immediately becomes a meme. Because it's like, oh my god, Baby Yoda, look at the camera! Baby Yoda, so cute, oh my god! (laughs) I'm not here for any of it. I know he's not technically Baby Yoda, he's technically the child. He's Baby Yoda at this point, come on, let's be real. Han Solo, probably the most interesting character in the original trilogy for me. So magnetic, so charismatic. The role Harrison Ford was born to play. I'm advancing Han Solo here in a landslide. Yeah, I don't have too much to add on except that I think the child is great. And I love that he is just these, this protector of Mando and he needs protecting but also will protect. I think that part of Star Wars is this kind of like space western and Han is the perfect cowboy. He's the perfect pirate. He's the perfect character for this kind of genre. So I'm also moving Han on. Um, sorry, Baby Yoda, rest in peace. Josh, big Baby Yoda guy? 
I, I like Baby Yoda just fine. Um, the Mandalorian, I also like just fine. I think the first few episodes and the last few are good. The middle is kind of draggy, especially that one that's on like a freighter ship or something. I hated that episode. Um, <laughs> that's my favorite episode. I was like, yeah, I love Bill Burr. Oh, you can't, you gotta be kidding me. That was like, that was like C minus acting at best. <laughs> anyway. Um, that is true. <laughs> I just realized Baby Yoda is on this chart. But Daddy Yoda not. is not on this chart. <laughs> That is the biggest bunch of bullshit I've ever seen in my whole life. We'll, we'll blame those people you pulled or whatever. But yeah, Han Solo, of course. Han Solo is, I mean, everybody liked Luke, but everybody wanted to be Han. Yeah. I mean, when I was a little kid, I was like, oh yeah, Han is, uh, yep, mm-hmm. And of course, you know, as a little kid, Princess Leia was one of my first crushes. So mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, that guy gets the girl, mm-hmm. Han is the one. So yeah, yeah, Han, of course Han. We won't we won't harp on it any longer. We're gonna move down. Number six, Leia versus number eleven, Mando. Honestly, it's Leia. It has to be. Like she is just this badass woman who is leading armies and she's leading rebellions and she's the keeper of secrets and she starts this entire thing off by giving R two the plans to Death Star. Like this, the whole thing is just her taking charge. What this galaxy needed and what these bam, like bumbling heroes needed was somebody to take charge, and Leia was that person. Mando's great. I loved The Mandalorian. I thought it was a super entertaining uh, series, and I think that uh, it did get a little boring in the middle, I would say, and it got a little weird, um, but it did finish strong. I liked it, but I think... And what an interesting conversation I had with a coworker was this was a really... The Ma- Mandalorian was a super fun... Uh, series to watch in the star wars universe to see the heroes struggle to fight well right like he was getting his ass kicked always and it was just always kind of this like cool thing to see like he had his flaws even when it came to fighting he wasn't this jedi that like sometimes would use double super bounce and like hop over whatever they needed or (laughs) uh send force lightning their way like he was gonna die versus that rhino monster thing if the little if the child didn't save his life. Um, but all of that being said, like, Leia is, she's, she's the OG. She's so great. She's a leader she, in a, in a company that needs leaders. Uh, I, I just like her better than Mandalorian. I'm moving Leia on. Kyle and Josh, I believe that Disney has been screwing Star Wars up so, so, so badly <laughs> since they acquired it. Until they gave Jon Favreau Mandalorian. This show is what it should have been from the start. You have this entire universe that you can explore. The Mandalorian is the perfect execution of exploring that universe while straying from this main like saga thing. Kyle, you called it a Western? Exactly. That's exactly what this is. The Western format is a cowboy riding into town, saving the day, riding out of town again. It feels a lot like a Star Trek episode in that way to me, each episode of The Mandalorian. Mando is a thief with a heart of gold, one of my favorite character tropes of all time. Really reminds me of Arthur Morgan in Red Dead Redemption 2. Super interesting character and one that has legs, one that you can watch for season after season after season. Just give him these little small vignettes, little situations, just let him save the day, and then he goes out again. It's great. And the fact that he has this affection for the child really establishes his value system. I think he's extremely strong and complex 
and he's very well fleshed out. That's not to say Leia isn't. I think she's a really great character too. She is this embodiment of the entire rebel movement, especially in the first movie. You have this princess who is going nose to nose with Grand Moff Tarkin, whose back is up against Darth Vader. She is inside the belly of the beast and she's like dissing them to their face. She does not care at all. Incredible character. I love that about her. When they're trying to escape the prison block, she's like leading the charge into the trash chute. She gets mad when Chewbacca's walking too slow in front of her. She takes on this command role at the end of the movie when they're talking about how to lead the strike on the Death Star. She becomes a commander by the end of the whole thing. It's really awesome to watch this character evolve. In this situation, I think I'm going to go with Mandalorian just because, like I said, this is the way Star Wars should be done today with streaming, with a new property where you're exploring things you've never done before. I like what they've been doing with Mando. I'd like to see them continue doing that. So I'm going with Mando here, which means, Josh, give us another tiebreaker. Princess Leia. <laughs> I, I feel weird having to justify Princess Leia beating Mandalorian. Like, seriously, dude. That's like, this is the most intense recency bias of all time. Like, the Mandalorian shouldn't even have characters on this bracket. It just shouldn't. Like, it's a TV show, part of the Star Wars universe. Like, rightfully, when I posted this bracket in a little private Facebook group I have, they were all asking, like, where's Ahsoka? Where's uh, Kanan? All these other characters that people have been following on the Clone Wars and Rebels. Shows that are as popular as the Mandalorian. I, I don't, I mean... Leia was the first, one of the, she was the first character that you saw well c- concurrently with Darth Vader human characters that we would follow throughout the the movies in episode 4. Um now again I'm going to go back to what I keep going back to is they tried their damnedest to make me hate her by the end of episode 9 but uh I don't care she is important to me in like a formative like first crush kind of way too like you just show me pictures of Carrie Fisher in her Hoth outfit, and I'm just like, oh, man, that's my girl right there. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, she's Leia. She's Princess Leia. I will forgive her awful cocaine acting in Return of the Jedi. <laughs> I will I will forgive what they did to her in Episode Nine because mm-hmm. she's so important to everything else. And the Mandalorian is like, dude, who knows? Season 2 could be just awful i mean there's there was not a lot of consistency to that series in my opinion i i thought that some of the episodes were very good the last one which uh taika watiti directed was amazing and i think that has a lot to do with him um as thor ragnarok guy i love him um so i i just i i don't i don't even see why they're mandalorian characters on this bracket (laughs) it's it it offends me it wounds me deeply as a star wars fan (laughs) And I watched every episode of The Mandalorian, and I thought it was good. I just think it's like, I, I can't even. I can't <laughs> I can't even begin to consider him as a... I mean, like, how many lines of dialogue did he have that entire season? Like, he's not... I'll, I'll tell you this. As, since you were saying you were a fan of, um, of Game of Thrones, I was really happy, happy that Pedro Pascal got another role after Oberyn Martell, because... That, for me, I know everyone talks about the heartbreaking moments on Game of Thrones. 
his loss to the mountain is my personal like low point of Game of Thrones. Not not in terms of the show being bad, just where I yeah. was so sad. Yeah. Because I loved that character and they made you love him in like six episodes or whatever. And then he had him and then he, he let him win and then he got <laughs> his head popped. And I was so... I remember after that episode was over, just feeling this hollow emptiness inside. I was so sad. I was like... Because it's that classic, you know, he starts boasting and yep. he shouldn't have yep. done that. And oh, so close. And you could like so close. replay it in your mind. But so I loved in the last episode of The Mandalorian when they take his helmet and there's Pedro Pascal there. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I love that guy. But come on, Mandalorian, it, who knows what's going to happen with that show? It could totally crash and burn soon. I, I have no idea. Uh, anyway, Leia. It's fucking Princess Leia. <laughs> Well, that leads us to the end of the round 16. We have the first Elite Eight matchup, which is number one, Darth Vader, versus number nine, R2-D2. The second matchup is number 13, C-3PO, versus number five, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Next one is number two, Luke Skywalker, versus number seven, Kylo Ren. And the next and last matchup of the Elite Eight is number three, Han Solo, versus his lover, number six, Princess Leia. That's a good one. We had a lot of discussion on this episode, so we're going to have to stop it here and wait until the next one to find out who our best Star Wars character is. But, uh, Josh, how this has all kind of wound up, what are your thoughts? This is this next, this Elite Eight matchup to the finals is going to be quite the, uh, the, the discussion we're going to have to have. Uh, first of all, I'm, I'm sorry for talking so much. It's just I love Star Wars, so I have like a billion things to say about it. Uh, but also, I love that we have Obi-Wan versus R2-D2, because, you know, that's, like, the source of that meme. Mm-hmm. Of the, hello there, meme. Because that's the first thing that Obi-Wan says. He <laughs> says, hello there, to R2-D2, and then later he says that to General Grievous, famously, in episode three. That's great. I love that we have... Well, do we have Luke and Kylo matched up? Yep. Oh, and then, I mean, <laughs> takes me to... I know you hate it, but takes me to one of my favorite scenes in the whole saga, which is Luke versus Kylo... Or Luke's hologram versus Kylo in um, episode eight. So uh, I look forward to all that. Um, I I just love talking about Star Wars, even when you know there are great disagreements. In fact, that makes it more fun, right? So yeah, uh, yeah, it's just great. It's great to be on a podcast again talking about Star Wars. Like, <laughs> like I mentioned to you guys, I we did a like four hour long podcast on each Star Wars episode, each of the six Star Wars movies. So we put out 24 episodes about the first six films. So I'm pretty insane when it comes to Star Wars. So I love this. The energy we need. So happy you guys uh, invited me on. It's so fun. All right. Well, folks, that does it for this episode of Mouse Madness. You can always find us on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod. Send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. You can join our Facebook community, which is linked in the description of this podcast, as well as joining our Discord chat, where we talk about everything Disney all day long, all the time. Super fun. And we will catch you next time. Oh, movies get spooky. I want to be like you.